Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. Many times we can fall into a view of Jesus that is simple or routine, but there is so much more to the purpose of Jesus for us to understand. Jesus came to radically change our perspective on what it means to truly live. We're in a series that takes a look at statements that Jesus himself said about his mission while he was here on earth. Our lives can be different because of Jesus. Welcome to Grace Life. So glad to have you worshiping with us today, wherever you are. We would love to say hello to you and show you a little hospitality, but we can only do that if we know you are here. So whatever platform you're using, if you would, take a moment right now for me, click that link and fill out a connection card. Again, we just want to say hello. Promise it's a no-hassle guarantee. Hey, another thing before we go on, I want to continue to fill you in on what we are doing as a church in response to the COVID-19 crisis. So right here on the screen, you can see the web address. You can check that out as well as on our app, and you can either find out how you can serve, how you can give, or how you can get help, whatever it is that you need. And, and speaking of giving, I just want to take a moment and say, Grace Life, Thank you. You guys are an amazing church. I want to thank you for your generosity. I want to tell you two things we've been able to do just this week because of what you've made possible. The first one we've been talking about, we wanted to do it, and this week it finally happened. We were able to give out over 10,000 N95 and surgical masks to area hospitals, sheriff's department, nursing homes, and healthcare workers. It was such an awesome time to be able to see uh, the looks on their faces and, and, and share with them uh, the love of Jesus in such a practical way. Uh, the second thing that happened, one of our ministry partners is helping feed children right now that wouldn't get to eat any other way because they normally only get their meals at school. And they called us up and said, hey, we're, we're trying to provide all these hot meals and, and honestly, we're running out of funds. Can you guys help? And I want you guys to know uh, that once again, we were able to help them provide over 10 thousand hot meals for children that wouldn't have food otherwise. So I just want to tell you, you guys are great. If you want to keep uh, making those kinds of things possible, again, go to that link right there and uh, see how you can get involved. So, hey, I'm assuming everybody already knows today is Easter. And I know we've got a lot of folks that have started worshiping with us online all around the world. You've never been to the building here, but I'll tell you a little secret about Grace Life and who we are. Uh, we're kind of a little informal, and so a lot of folks will even come and worship in their flip-flops. And uh, I don't do that because I don't want to distract you with my toes while I preach. But uh, when it comes to Easter, though, even here at Grace Life, as informal as we are, we, we tend to step it up a, a little bit. And uh, so I'm kind of curious, since you've had about three weeks to sit at home and worship in your pajamas. I want to know how many of you still stepped it up a little bit to, to worship Easter. I, I'm curious how many of you got up and you put on your best outfits and you're sitting on your couch and you're ready to go. So actually what we've decided to do this morning is we're going to take over the camera on whatever device you're using and in just a moment we're going to show pictures of everybody worshiping at home. We're going to see who is the best dressed for our Easter this year. You guys ready for this? Uh, I'm just kidding. Y'all are grateful, aren't you? I bet some dude in his underwear right now just jumped behind the couch as fast as he could. No, look, I, I don't care what you're wearing today. You know what I do care about? I'm going to tell you what I care about is that even in the midst of a global pandemic, worship isn't stopped. I, I know that, you, listen, your egg hunt might have got stopped, but we are still worshiping Jesus here today, and, and that's amazing. You know, many people think 
that Easter is about celebrating this event in history. And, and well, that's actually true. It is an event in history, and it is absolutely one worth celebrating, right? I mean, sin was defeated. Death was defeated. Uh, it, it, the devil's been on the run ever since. You know, he thought that day he had won, right? The Son of God is nailed to a cross. The Son of God is laid in a tomb, never to be heard from again until Sunday, and he was heard from again. And at that point, demons start screaming. They start running. Angels are shouting. Angels are worshiping. And I hope right now you are off your couch and you are shouting with me. It is the best thing that has ever happened in all of the universe. It's an amazing day. But I want to do more today. For this Easter, I don't want us just to talk about what Jesus did. I want us to talk about what Jesus is still doing. And I think Easter in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic gives us a real chance to talk about how practical what Jesus is doing in our life is. I had a friend of mine uh, just in the past week that was uh, talking about how uh, they're getting some mental escape because of where their house is and, and they're able to go out and enjoy nature. And they said, hey, look, I am so glad that this didn't hit us uh, during the winter. And I don't know where you are as you're watching this. Uh, I'm here in the southeastern United States and we've got beautiful weather. It's in the 80s and it's breezy and it's gorgeous and things are blooming and trees are getting leaves and flowers are getting petals and it's just gorgeous. And, and so this friend was talking about how they can just, you know, go out in the morning, take a little prayer walk with God and spend some time enjoying nature. And they're getting a break from uh, being trapped in a house. And I've even kind of got the same thing. My wife and I, our house backs up to a green space. And so we're able to go out on our back porch because the sun rises on the back side of the house. We've got a lot of trees, got some bird feeders. And we, we sit there and we just enjoy watching uh, the sunrise. We enjoy talking to God. We enjoy the time and, and praying and, and just seeing the birds and having our, our tea and our coffee. And it really is a great escape. But I know that's not the story for some of us. Matter of fact, for some of us, we're, we're feeling the isolation that, that comes with not being able to get with our friends or our activities that normally bring life and joy to us. For some of us, we're, we're feeling things like loneliness and, and anxiety, and, and, and these things can bring us to, well, honestly, a, a dark place in our souls and can bring up some old temptations. And if you think about these, these words that you hear so much right now as we talk about COVID-19, like fear and like anxiety and loneliness and, and worry and uncertainty, and, and all of those words represent darkness, and it's a darkness we feel and we experience. And the worst part is that's just COVID-19. I mean, think about before that. Just a month ago, maybe two months ago for you, we were feeling some darkness in our souls. This, this idea of waking up with worry and stress, for some of us, it's not new. You've been waking up in the middle of the night or every single morning for years, maybe, with that same thing. Maybe some of you, even before the crisis hit, you or your spouse was struggling with something that could potentially end your marriage and, and you, you just don't have an answer yourself for what to do with that. Maybe you found yourself just every day saying, I know I'm going, to, today's gonna to be the last day I'm gonna do that. I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna finally stop. Once it, this is gonna be it. Only a day or a week later to, to find yourself doing that once again. Or, or maybe you've just got this flood of emotions that keeps coming up every time a name is mentioned. It's anger or it's, it's frustration over them. And matter of fact, for you, the best part of this whole COVID-19 thing is you don't have to see that person. And, and you can finally not worry about their name for a little season. But it, at least prior to that, that was what was always coming up in the, the tension 
that was always there. And what I want to talk about today is the very dilemma we have that Jesus came to solve. You know what that is? It, it's that we struggle as Christians because we, we can say we're saved and we, we can know we're saved, but sometimes we feel like we're drowning and we're wondering, wait a minute, where is the practical day-to-day? -day? I, I don't want to just talk about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I want Jesus to do something right now in my life. And so the good news is that's exactly what we're going to look at today. If you're at Grace Life for the first time today, we've actually been in a series talking about statements Jesus made and saying, this is why I came to earth. It turns out Jesus came to do a lot for you and me, and we should be very grateful for that. So we've been looking at some of these different ones. And today, as we talk about Easter and its impact, not just 2,000 years ago, but Today, right now, in our lives, I want to show you one of my favorite things that Jesus said he came to do. It's going to be on the screen right here in front of you, and it's out of John 12, where Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, that whoever believes in me may not have to remain in darkness. And so I want you to know, there, this, this begins as soon as we recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and we, we call out to him as our Savior, we make him the king of our lives, there is an immediate transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. It's what the scripture says about us, is that he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the sun. It's immediate, it's definite, it's final, and, and it's tangible, and we experience now that we have eternal life. We don't have to worry about what's gonna happen when we die. We know exactly what's gonna happen when we die. I, I want to give you an image of how this works. I want you to think with me of, of medieval times. I, I love medieval times, and, and if you, you, you can even think Lord of the Rings or Braveheart or something. I, I know those, those aren't exactly medieval times, but it still gives you the same image that I want you to have right now. So imagine with me that there's this the kingdom. It's a city, and it's a walled city, and it's a great kingdom. And if you look outside of it, though, you just see the fields, and you see the valleys, and you see the mountains. And so all outside of it, imagine it's night, and it's just dark. You can, as far as you can see, you can't see anything. It's just dark. But if you look the other direction, you can see the kingdom. And there's so much light, every house, everything in it. The light is just glowing up, and it puts a light all over the sky. And everybody from a distance can see, and the light shows the direction for everybody to go. Now, I want you to imagine with me. It's the kingdom of God and Jesus is standing on the wall of this city and he's looking out into the domain of darkness and he looks and he looks and he sees and he says, Patrice, I want you out of that darkness. Come on, come on over here, girl. Look, I died for you. You come on in here. Hey, hey, Kent, I see you way out there in that darkness. Look, man, no more in the darkness. I want you to come on over here right now. You come, hey, y'all down there, open up that gate. My buddy Kent, he's coming. I died for him. Y'all open that. Come on into the kingdom where the light is. You don't need to be in the dark anymore. Hey, David, you too, man. I want you to come on in. The, that is what happens when we call out to Jesus, making him our king. We are immediately taken out of that darkness. We are brought into the kingdom. The other side of the wall, the light is all around us, and we are immediately transferred out of darkness darkness into light. But how many of you know it can be an immediate thing to take us out of the darkness, but to get the darkness out of us? Well, that's the story of our lives, isn't it? And I want to show you why that is such a struggle for you and me. Also in the same book of John, talking about Jesus says, light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. People love darkness instead of light simply because their deeds were evil. 
And, and look, I, I don't want to like make you think you're a mass murderer or something like that here this morning. When we say our deeds are evil and, and we love darkness, it simply is saying we're, we're just not perfectly holy. We've all got things about us that are just human. And at times we do human things and we're attracted to human things. And we want to keep doing some of these earthly things that sometimes they don't line up with, with a perfect display of who God is and what he would want for our lives. I'll just tell you, I'm a person who likes stuff. I'm a materialistic person. And I like the nicest stuff. I like nice clothes. I don't know if this is nice enough for you, but you know, this is my stepping it up for Easter. I hope you like it. And you know, I like to go to Best Buy and pick out the best TV. My wife does not understand how, you know, there was the day where you got the flat screen, you got the plasma, you stepped it up to LED. You got to keep stepping it up, right? And then you go ultra, you got to go 4K. I mean, come on, you got to stay with things. You got to have, and look, listen, 80 inches is better than 70, 70 is better than 60, just for the record. I like nice stuff. I, I, I'd go to my living room and we've been renovating our whole house, but we've got the same furniture we had before we started the renovation. And I'm thinking the couches ain't keeping up with the rest of the house. Honey, we need to go furniture shopping. I, I want a new couch. I've been sitting on this couch for a couple of years. I just, I like stuff. And if God gave me more money, I would spend it on stuff. I think sometimes God reminds me that that might be why he, he, he withholds a little bit every now and then to, to, to get me back into a place of remembering that's not the whole point of money. Look, we, we've all got something. And I, since, since y'all weren't in the room with me to like tell me your issue, I'm not going to tell you any more of mine. I, I just like stuff and that's enough. But you, you need to answer the question, you know, what, what is yours? You know, maybe we're greedy. Some, some of us, we, we just like money. Some of us, we like power. Uh, some of us, we like approval or affirmation. Uh, I mean, that's the whole reason for everything we put on social media is just to see how many people are gonna say, you're awesome. And we live for that. And we need that. And that is that, that unholiness and that thing. And here's the, the, the part that complicates it more, if you can follow this, is when we, we love these things and we're attracted to these things, but, but sometimes we, we hate ourselves for it. And we enjoy it in the moment. But then afterwards, we, we don't like how we feel while we were doing it. You know, one of the things that I do as a pastor is I talk to people a lot with some of the soul struggles they're going through. And, and a lot of people, both men and women, struggle with moral purity. And, and they like what they see in the moment, but they hate how they feel the next day. Teenagers, I mean, come on, you, you like the rush of getting away with something. You, your parents say, hey, what are you doing? You tell them a lie, they believe it, and you're like, yes, you know, it feels really good. You go out, you do what you want to do, but then the next day, your mom's like, hey, good morning, and you hang your head because something just doesn't feel right about it. It just doesn't feel right. And, and, you know, I, I've, I've got just, if we could make it lighter, because look, it's Easter, and, and those are deep, and, and I understand that. Let, let's just talk about it. We do things that we, we know we're not going to feel good about, and I'll, I'll use a lighter example. Uh, it's how I eat. Um, I, I've discovered over the last couple of years that some of my favorite things in my body don't get along, and, and I just feel really sick afterwards. The first one is Dr. Pepper, and I'm gonna tell you, I think Dr. Pepper was like nectar from heaven. I, I could just drink nothing but Dr. Pepper all day long, and, and I could just eat meals out of popcorn, and I've discovered that both corn and soda, uh, they just don't really make me feel very good. But I will still do this thing where I go to the movies, and, and you're at the movies, come on. Who's gonna watch a movie without popcorn and soda? You're not American. 
you're not human. There's something wrong there. You know, you got to do this. And, and so I'll go to the movies and I'll get a soda and I'll get popcorn. And, and I know that they're going to make me feel bad, but I do it. And I start eating them and then I start feeling sick and I can't even finish it. It's just something about who we are and what we're drawn to that, that we will love it for a moment, even if it's going to make us not like ourselves. And well, the very next sentence explains why that is, because it says, look, everyone who does evil hates the light, and he won't even come into the light. Why? For fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, it's called shame. See, see we're drawn to stuff that we know is not godly, and then we feel bad because we do it. And the good news is this is not completely your fault. It is uh, my problem, it is your problem, but it's not just our fault. It all started back with Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and I'm gonna tell you, I wish we could go back in time. I wish we, we could get a little time machine and go all the way back and go right to that moment, right before they ate the fruit and say, stop, don't eat the fruit, right? But, but maybe your time machine was not made by an Apple uh, product and instead it's a, an Android product. And so because of that, you're gonna get there just a few seconds late, you know, just a little bit of lag, should have bought an Apple, but anyway, too bad. So you get there right after Adam and Eve both take a bite and you go, no. And, and, but here's the thing, it's not too late to fix what they did. At this point, you can look at them and say, okay, look, you just potentially wrecked all of humanity, but it's actually what's coming next that is gonna cause one of the biggest problems, and right now, we still have a chance to turn this around because what you want to do is you wanna run from God. You wanna hide. You are ashamed of the mistake you just made, but the only one who can help you is God. So don't run. Don't Hide, don't focus on your shame, but instead go to him. Go to the one who can help you right now. I mean, it would just imagine if we could all go back to that moment. And this is the reason that the enemy loves making us feel bad about some of the things we do because he knows the only one that can change how we feel, the only one that can help us is God. And as long as we feel bad, we go the other direction. It's been the problem for all of human history. And he loves the fact that our shame keeps us from our God. But I've got good news for you. We don't have to stay there. Because Jesus not only came to take us out of the darkness, Jesus came to get the darkness out of us. I wanna show you something Jesus said about himself. This is in Luke 4. And it's a story where he says he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. So it's his hometown. And, and he was, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And then he stood up to read. And the scroll of a prophet was handed to him. And I just want to explain to you, I've been to Israel and I had the privilege of going to a Hebrew worship service and seeing how they do this. And, and it's a big, big deal because these scrolls are really special. The, the worship service that I got to go to, the scrolls had actually lived through World War II, been rescued, and, and so it was really special. And so what they do is they take the scrolls and they take them all around because people valued the word of God. And so they walk it all through the congregation and people will even touch hands on it. And it's just so special to say that this, this is God's revelation to us. This is God's word to us. And then they would bring it back up front and they would open it up. And one person gets the privilege that day to stand up and to do the reading from the scroll. 
And what's really cool about this is, I hope, I hope you know, God's not a God of coincidences. He is absolutely in charge of everything. I mean, and so at this moment, what they hand to Jesus was a prophecy about himself. And so they hand them the scroll of Isaiah the prophet, something that had been written to say, Jesus, this is what you will do when you come to the earth hundreds of years earlier. And so he unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it was written, and he begins to say what he came to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And when he's talking about the poor, uh, the bad news for you is not talking about financial poor and he's not coming to give you the winning lottery numbers. No, he's talking about spiritually poor, people that don't even understand how far they are from their heavenly Father. He says, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Look, we, we know if we've read the stories, Jesus healed physical blindness often. That was one of the things he would do. But, but spiritual blindness is the number one thing. To, to get people to understand where they are in relation to their God. To help them to see their spiritual condition. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There were two major things that he said in there that really are so important for us today. The first one he said is the liberty to the captives. And when we talk about liberty to the captives, we're talking about our eternal freedom. This is getting us out of the darkness. It's what we talked about earlier when I said, uh, the Bible tells us in Colossians that we're rescued out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his son. It's eternal. At that moment, we know our eternal future is secure. We are going to heaven. We are gonna have uh, eternal future walking with God, perfect people glorified bodies all of the problems we have are going to be gone no sickness no death it's going to be amazing we're all looking forward to that and the captives have been set free we were captive in the kingdom of darkness but now we're free in the kingdom of God and, and this is usually by the way the Easter message it, it is the Easter message it's the core of it but usually we kind of stop at that point we celebrate that good news that you and I won't have to pay for our sins that you and I can have that forgiveness and have eternity with God but today I, I want us to talk about more than just being forgiven and going to heaven because I know Jesus wants to do more in your life than just be forgiven and going to heaven and it's the the other part that he said that is I want us to look at he said not only liberty to the captives that's important Liberty to the oppressed. Liberty to the captives is talking about our eternal freedom. Liberty to the oppressed is talking about our spiritual freedom. The first one is getting us out of the darkness. This one is getting the darkness out of us. And this is so huge because what it means is that we're no longer ruled by the things that ruled us when we were in darkness. Now that we've been brought out of darkness, we now have power to get the darkness out of us. We're not ruled by things like our past. Look, I'm gonna tell you, somebody this morning, uh, today, this is the only thing that you need to hear. What you've done can't beat what Jesus has done. I know the devil tells you every day that that's not true. He tells you, you, do you know your past? Do you know who you are? God could never forgive you. God could never love you. But that is not true, and I need you to hear me today. What you've done can't beat what Jesus has done. Nothing can beat who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross for you that day. We are no longer ruled by our past. It also means we're no longer ruled by our hurts, you know, because we are forgiven. We can forgive others. When, when things happen to us and they hurt our souls, we're not ruled by those. And I know somebody right now would want to say, you know, really my heart's been broken for years and, and I'm really struggling with what that person did to me. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we're, we don't feel what, what God is doing because we're not forgiven. 
See, we've been forgiven, we're supposed to forgive, but if we hold on to that bitterness, if we hold on to that anger, then we're gonna struggle to experience the healing that God has for us. We're not ruled by our past, we're not ruled by our hurts. It also means we're not, we're not ruled by our habits. Our habits can change because what we want changes. As, as we get out of the darkness, we begin to not like the darkness that's in us. Things begin to adjust. You know, you know I, I do eat less popcorn and, and Dr. Pepper now than I used to because as it gets out of my diet, I'll tell you even worse than that. I, I grew up with really simple Southern taste and uh, my, my parents uh, didn't make me eat salads as I was growing up. I didn't like salads. I didn't really care for anything that grew in the ground, if you want to be perfectly honest about it. Uh, true story, uh, my parents would make me go to a salad bar, this one restaurant we'd go to most every Friday night, and I would go to the salad bar, and I'd come back with a bowl full of bacon bits, cheddar cheese, and croutons. I kid you not, true story. That, that's exactly what happened. I I could be absolutely happy with Dr. Pepper, sweet tea, cheeseburgers, and pizza, and chocolate for the rest of my life. That's, that's all I would need. That'd be a complete diet. And, and I'd just rotate those all throughout the meals of the day. That's pretty much how I made it through the first 30 years of my life. So proof it can actually happen, and you can get this far. Uh, it might have taken off the last 10 years of my life. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see when I die. But here, here's the thing. My taste have changed. See, as I've gotten older and uh, I got a trainer friend here in the church who gives me evil looks when he hears that I've eaten a cheeseburger and just reminds me that this is the only body God's given me, as well as I've seen uh, family members uh, and, and what has happened to them is they've not taken care of their bodies. I, I just figure, wait a minute, I really do need to make a change. And now... I actually voluntarily, nobody has to force me into it. Even if I'm alone, I can go into a restaurant and I can order a salad and will order a salad and will eat a salad. You know why? Because I've started to see how it feels and I've started to see how things are different and my body feels better. The same thing happens as we are rescued out of darkness and we start to, to be set free from some of those feelings and some of the experiences and some of those things and our tastes begin to change. And things that we used to love, we, we begin to love a little less, and then we begin to love not at all and like, and then we begin to not like, and we begin to hate, and, and, to, and we just keep growing further and further away. And, and I know that's a process. It's, it's kind of our whole life process, but we don't have to be ruled by our old habits, our old ways of doing. I'll tell you one more, we don't have to be ruled by our thoughts. This is one of my favorites about uh, what Jesus has done for us, getting the darkness out of us, because, you know, this is one of the major battlegrounds in our lives. This is where the enemy wants to set up camp with all of the things he wants to say about you and, and about other people and about God that are simply not true. And, uh, you know, this is one of the reasons, I, if you're, look, new to being a Christian or uh, you're new to going to church, you, you've maybe heard somebody say, you know, are you reading your Bible? And, and I just wanna tell you, I hope you never get the feeling that you ought to read your Bible. You, you just got to read your Bible. You should. I, I, don't, I don't want anyone ever approaching uh, something so great in the revelation of God and who he is and what he wants for us and the truth about us with such a, uh, a, a got to and, and instead of a want to. Because I'm gonna tell you what happens when you begin to read this. You begin to know who you are and you begin to know who your God is and so when those thoughts that used to be there back in, in the domain of darkness and things like the enemy would say, you, you're just messed up. And maybe you look in the mirror and you even say that first person, man, I'm just so messed up. I'm either too short or I'm, I'm too tall or my nose is too big or I'm not funny enough or, or, or whatever the thing is. When, when you have this, you can say, wait a minute, actually, 
You can shut up, devil, because this says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When you start having those thoughts to say your life is meaningless, it, there, nothing good is ever going to come out of you, you can say, well, actually, this says that I am his workmanship. I'm uniquely created and just to do the very thing that God put me here to do, and it's going to be of great use. So just shut up, devil. You don't, you don't have any place there. And, and we don't have to be ruled by our thoughts anymore. This is what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus is still doing. And so I just, just want to make this as practical as I can for you this Easter morning. If you're saying, okay, but I, I, I want to I know, what, is, what are the, the steps I can take or, or what do I need to do to continue getting this darkness out of me? I'm going to make this as simple as I can. Uh, it starts like this. Admit it. Admit, you can't deal with darkness. You don't turn on a flashlight if you don't know it's dark. You, you don't do anything about a problem you don't think you have. And, and so, look, just to give you an illustration, uh, I'm, I'm in South Carolina. I was raised in South Carolina, and, and, and we South Carolinians are some proud people. I wish I had a bunch of them here in the room to amen me when I said that, but y'all are doing it right home where you are. And see, look, here's the thing. We get th this strange phenomena here in South Carolina. It's called Ohio people who live here for retirement. I think they were actually all aiming for Florida and just got really tired of the drive and they just kind of gave up about halfway. And so we had a whole lot of people from Ohio that call South Carolina home. And if you are one of those people from Ohio or actually from anywhere else in the world, you've discovered something really strange about us. And uh, we have bugs, very particular bugs. Where you come from, they're called roaches. And when you moved in here in South Carolina, you said, man, we got roaches. We got to call an exterminator. But a good, proud South Carolinian corrected you. Excuse me. Those are not roaches. Those are palmetto bugs. Now, here's the problem. If you go down to the home improvement store and you try to get some palmetto bug killer, they don't have it. There's no such thing on the shelf. If you call an exterminator not from South Carolina and say, I need you to kill all my palmetto bugs, they're going to say, I'm not sure what to use. You've got to actually own it. You've got to say, look, Jesus, I, there's darkness here. You've you got to be honest with the exterminator. Quit calling it a palmetto bug and say, look, I got roaches. Because if you can tell them you got roaches, they can do something to help. And when we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm struggling with some of the things the enemy is whispering to me. Jesus, I'm struggling with some of the things I did in my past. Jesus, I'm struggling with some of the habits in my life. If we would just admit these aren't palmetto bugs, they're real problems, there's a real darkness, then the only thing you have to do, look, this is so easy. If you can admit to Jesus you need it, then the only thing we have to do is get personal with Jesus. Because his, here's his promise to us. He said, I am the light of the world. Have y'all noticed the theme of all these verses we've been using this morning about Jesus being light and, and changing the situation in the world? Because he's like, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Look, I, I think this is one of the saddest truths is that although because of Jesus, because he came, we don't have to remain in darkness, some do the saddest truth. And sometimes it's maybe because we're, we're not willing to just admit, I got a problem. Jesus, I need you to help me with this. But maybe sometimes it's just those few words that says, whoever follows me. And sometimes we, 
we're just not following. I know in my own life when I've really struggled with some things, whether it's as simple as wanting, you know, something materialistic or, or something that's maybe a little harder to deal with, a lot of times I've discovered that I'm, I'm a little further from Jesus than I might be at other times. And the truth is, is very simple. The further we are from Jesus experientially, then the more the darkness is gonna likely be something we feel in our souls. We don't have to remain in darkness. But some of us do because we don't embrace first what Jesus has done. And then we don't embrace what Jesus is still doing because we don't follow him. We don't get close to him. We don't cry out his name when we're at that worst moment. Say, Jesus, I'm not even sure what to say to you right now. Maybe you're in a place where your prayer would go something like, Jesus, I don't know what to say next. I've never done this before. But what I know is I don't like what I feel. And I think you can change that. And that'd be the best thing you could say. Look, here's the good news. If you're watching this morning and, and you are somebody who is new to this concept of Jesus getting you out of darkness, Jesus getting the darkness out of you, I need to let you know there is no secret prayer. There is no perfect word to say. Matter of fact, the best thing you can do is just start with the word Jesus. And just tell him what's in your heart. And tell him what you feel. See, because of Jesus, we don't have to remain in darkness. We don't. I know we all have struggles. It's the question that, it's the greatest question we can ask as a Christian is, is why we have some of these things. But here's the good news for you. Look, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of our New Testament, one of the things he wrote in it said, I don't do what I want to do. And I do what I don't want to do. And what he's talking about is that wrestling as a human. As long as we're a human, there's going to be some struggle for us to get everything out. And the good news, though, is that, that we're not trapped there is that we're able to get close to Jesus and say, help me. Now, I, I want to make sure as I end this morning, you, you know that this is not just for you. This is not just about you and me. This, as we talk about Jesus getting the darkness out of us, actually, we need to think about the impact that we could have around the world and everybody else around us because actually one more thing that Jesus said that is really so important is when we get free of the darkness all these things he said look I've come into the world as light I am the light of the world but he also turned to his followers you and me and he said you are the light of the world I want you to think as we begin to have just little victories. Look, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be a perfect Christian. But, but as we begin to experience Jesus in our lives, imagine how we can then become light to the world around us and we can begin to impact uh, people and, and have an influence and change the world around us. Imagine if you're in the military, the, the change that you could begin to bring to your unit. If you're a student, the change you can bring to your classroom you're a parent, the change you can bring to your children. If you're a neighbor, the change you can bring to the person who lives next door. Imagine who 
we could begin to touch that best friend that you've thought about and prayed for, that family member that everybody else has just written off, maybe the neighbor that doesn't like you because you smile and their life is not going as well as they'd want. Just imagine who we could begin to touch. You know, one of the things we need to remember as we're talking about light and, and darkness today is that darkness is not a thing. Darkness is not a thing in itself. Darkness is the absence of something. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And if you and I are the light of the world, we look at the world around us and we, we complain about how so much is broken and so much is wrong and, and how so many things are polarized and we want to blame the enemy. And yes, look, he gets a lot of blame for it. He's, he's at the root of every single problem. It all began with him and he's not going to get off the hook. But you and I also need to not forget that sometimes what's going on in the world today simply because of the absence of light. That maybe we aren't being all that we can be. Maybe that is simply because we've just decided we will, we're gonna live this life. I'm going to heaven and I'm just, I'm just gonna keep doing these things. I'm gonna keep struggling with these things. Maybe you've, you've actually even believed the lie, the enemy's told you, look, okay, maybe you're going to heaven, but you are messed up and you will stay messed up and this will never change. And you've said, okay. And I want you to know today, that's not true. Not only did Jesus come to point at you in the darkness and say, come, but he also came to take the darkness out of us. And because of Jesus, we don't have to remain in darkness. Before I finish, I want to take a moment and I want to talk very specifically to those of you that have never stepped out of that domain of darkness. And the first thing, I know that's going to be hard to, to even hear. Look, I, I grew up thinking I'm just a really good person, went to church with my parents, and the idea that I wasn't, a, wasn't, wasn't all that I needed to be, I wasn't right with God. I, I, I thought that was insulting to hear I wasn't right with God. How could I not be right with God? I went to church all the time. Well, see, look, here's the simple truth. God is perfectly holy, and you and I are not. And the only way to fix that is to live a perfect life, which none of us have, or to say thank you, Jesus, and claim the free gift that he's given us, salvation that comes because of the day we're celebrating right now. You see, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life on the cross because he did live a perfect life as the Father, being revealed to people through him. And because he had no sins to pay for when his blood was shed, it paid for you and me. And it allowed you and me not only to celebrate this great event, but it allowed you and me at some point in history for time to collapse and to look at Jesus hanging on the cross and say, thank you that you died for me. And we receive that gift, the forgiveness, the eternal life, the immediate rescue from the domain of darkness. And if you've never done that, I wanna help you do that. It doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter if you're on your couch. It doesn't matter if you've already fallen to your knees on your living room floor, wherever you are. I just wanna lead you in a conversation 
beginning to make Jesus the king of your life. Wherever you are, join me and say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you would give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.